0: Hey guys, Ballistic Strength Radio is the only podcast dedicated to kettlebell sport and is 100% commercial free and is brought to you completely free of charge. So if you appreciate the show, please show your appreciation by subscribing to the Ballistic Strength Radio podcast on iTunes, as well as leaving a positive comment and a five-star rating. Guys, five-star ratings not only boost the show's iTunes ranking, but they also boost its exposure, which means it boosts the exposure and popularity of kettlebell sport. Please pause the episode now and head on over to iTunes to leave some positive feedback. Thanks, guys. So, I'm here at the 2015 IUKL World Championships in Dublin City. I'm joined by Abigail Johnston. Johnston, yeah. Johnston from uh, Team Scotland. Yeah. Could you tell me uh, what weight class you lift in and uh, and what event you participate in?
1: Um, I lift in the 68 kilogram weight class, um, so that's under 68 kilos. And the event I lift in is a professional female snatch, which is 24 kilograms.
0: And we saw you compete yesterday, is that yes. right? Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had the pleasure of watching that uh, that flight. And something, it was very intense because yes. it yeah. was like neck and neck. Yeah. But something interesting happened in like the final seconds where the Russian competitor achieved 152 reps. Yeah. And, uh, and she dropped her bell, set yeah. it down. So she yeah. finished early before the 10 minute uh, uh, time cap. But you caught up to yeah. the number, yeah. and then on that very last rep, yeah. maybe you can tell us what happened there?
1: Well, I guess just before the last rep, I had a bad hand insertion, so basically I didn't get, the bell wasn't as balanced overhead, so my muscles were burning out holding the bell. Um, so I had to go for that last rep to try and beat her. Um, so I took some time overhead to try and gather myself. Uh, went for it and uh dropped the
0: bell. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, I needless yeah. to say the bell t- like literally tore from your hand. Yeah. Like yeah. your your hand had nothing left. Nothing left. In it, yeah. Nothing else you could do. And yeah. everyone in the crowd was just like oh yeah. Yeah. because we felt that pain. Yeah. yeah. It was really incredible to watch actually. Yeah. Oh what's your training been like up to this point? The
1: training's been great this cycle. Um it's I always um overperform in training more than in comp. So for me I tend to do a, Bigger numbers in training than I do in competition just because uh, I find the bigger competitions like this really affect me for nerves and, and just trying to keep my calm on the day, trying to trust myself to go. So um, training's been brilliant. It's been going really well.
0: Now this is, I imagine this is you know one of the bigger competitions that yeah. you would yeah. normally go yeah. to. Yeah. Um, same for me as well. I, I Although I found it a very unique experience being up there, having so many people yeah. spectating. Yeah. Um, and I had mentioned this to Catherine Goldbeck, one of my teammates, is that normally at like some local meets that you might go to, normally you kind of feel like everyone in the crowd's kind of rooting for you, Yeah. right? And there's uh-huh. this very friendly atmosphere. Not that it's not friendly here, but we it, it is you it's know international competition, and when you're up there, you, there's this kind there's a sense that not everyone out there might want to see you do well. No, no.
1: Yeah, this is yeah, it's definitely different than your local meets, as you say. Yeah, it's a different level. It's the World Championships, so I guess that's what we have to deal with. Yeah. yeah sure. Now, as
0: far as the placing goes in your event, mm-hmm. um, because it was a tie, normally yeah. the lighter lifter um, takes the, uh, yeah. the higher spot. Yeah, uh-huh. they go
1: to your body weight at your weigh-in. So yeah, uh-huh. and Natalia had weighed in. I think it was 0.4 kilo lighter than me, um, which is a story as well because I actually was under my weight category before the weigh-in, and I had to drink some water to get up into my weight category. Yeah. So I guess it all came down to basically a couple of sips of water too many.
0: Someone's yeah. mentioned that to me. It, was, yeah. it's, it seems like it's a bit stricter here where it's like, if you're under the weight category, you can't do usually, the next category.
1: Usually the rules are each country is allowed to enter one professional athlete per weight category. Um, usually if you don't have an athlete in, say, the category below, and you weigh in lighter, you can usually drop to that to that category. But I, I've, this competition seems to be different, that they've not let people move around, so I don't know if it's because the number of athletes, with nearly 600 athletes, I guess, if everyone was switching, it would be logistically quite, yeah. Do you, so, do you think
0: that's, what's your feelings on it? Is that good, is that bad? Do you think that's a truer, sure, I'm uh, not,
1: ethical? I don't know. No comment. <laughs> yeah, the ca- I'm usually in the 68 category, so I guess it is my category um, to compete in. Um, How yeah, competitive is
0: this category?
1: I'd say it's a, it's a really good category. You've got some good lefters like you've got Melissa from, from the US, you've got Catherine from Canada. Um, Natalia this year, who's taken the place of Oksana, who's usually in the Russian team. Um, so they were switched around this year as well. So it is, and um, in previous years has been a Kazakhstani athlete as well, uh, Tatiana, who's who's very like she usually wins the category. It's it's a good good tight kind of close knit
0: Tatiana Potemkin. I yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she, she's quite good, yeah. and she yeah, just great, she goes yeah. and goes and goes yeah, even yeah. when uh-huh. you think she's uh-huh. going to stop. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's it's a good competitive category. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can you fill us in on maybe a little bit of your game plan going in? Uh, I have a couple of lifters from my club who yeah. I was like, you know, it, it can tend to be, you know, with competitions especially, you'll have some peaks and valleys. Yeah. And you and you may do extraordinarily well one day, but it's not necessarily a, a reflection of the norm. Yeah. You know what yeah. you're what you're. Uh, consistent ability yeah. so with, with my athletes you know they sit around 150 with the 16 yeah. but I've seen them do 170 I've seen them even do 200 Yeah. so you know our game plan kind of going in was you know let's start off with what we know we can do yes. consistently yeah and we're feeling good let's pick it up yeah and then in those final crucial minutes
1: yeah
0: you know go all out I'd
1: actually switched around my game plan before this this kind of comp during germ- my training well, that's no 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 i don't mean immediately before <laughs> during the training cycle so um up to now i've had not had a problem but my right arm hasn't been left in as many reps as my left arm um i'm right-handed so i, I don't know what it's, it's been a, an issue with the previous injury i think but um and this yeah in this training cycle it's it got up to matching my left arm so i, I usually always start um, competitions with my left arm and go longer so I try and go six six and a half minutes left and then switch to right so I would always go slow left switch to right for a shorter time but faster um, this is the first comp that I've actually started on my right for a long time and my game plan was basically yeah first minute I usually try and start a bit slower settle into it feel out the judge and then try and go up to my comp pace um, it didn't really work out for my first arm. <laughs> I had to switch early. Um, I was hoping to do yeah, five minutes. I that yeah, were yeah, I was hoping to do five minutes on my right arm, and um, I never really managed to get uh, work well enough with the judge, I would say, to get up to my, my competition pace I was aiming for. Um, I was aiming for 18 a minute. Uh, start off 16, 17 and then kind of feel it up, but um, yeah. That was my
0: plan too, but I tend to zone out and not pay attention to what's going on around me and then I I should look around and see where other people are at.
1: The only time I saw um, Natalia's count was after she put the bell down and I had a glance across to see what she was at. Before that, I just try and focus on myself and the counter and the judge, Um, yeah. But try and kind of blank everything
0: else out. It was fortunate that you were within reach though. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because yes, uh-huh. with me on my set, I was like 25 reps out or something like that, yeah. I think, or 30 reps out. Yeah. And so I got within five reps of the guy next to me. But yeah. Yeah. So I started my sprint a little slow. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, I'm pretty happy with my result because it's consistent with what I usually do.
1: That's good.
0: Uh-huh. Even though I was, I was aiming for higher. Yeah. Because I know that the potential's yeah. there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. what's your, what's your feeling on going into a competition, especially one as big as this? You know, expectations. You know, what's your feeling on expectations going into a competition? I
1: never I never expect as much as I get in training. I don't because um, in training you do. It's not the same. It's not the same at all. It's different. The pressure, the nerves, the build up. That, it's been a long build up as well. We were lifting at eight o'clock last night, so hanging around all day looking after your own athletes, chalking bells. The adrenaline rush you get from watching your own athletes up there, by the time you get up, it's, it's pretty draining. That's what um, i yeah. I'm
0: more nervous for everyone yeah.
1: else than I was from myself. Yeah, uh-huh. 100%. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, so I think my expectations were in line with, <laughs> I was hoping between 160, 170, if it was going to be a great day, I wanted 180. Um, obviously, I never hit that, so in terms of a competition result for me, it's not a the number isn't a great result for me for competition, but... For competition at this level I'm happy at it because I dealt better with the nerves than I have done in the past kept my focus on my second hand a lot better um, and it actually did its target so yeah. that was good so yeah I think you have to match up your expectations with the situation I think uh, yeah.
0: some have said that in training it's a little bit more serious because you know that you have a job to do basically yeah. when you're in training yeah. and you got to make sure you're getting your workouts in and and, and, and be as consistent as you can but then in competition it's like you've done all you can do mm-hmm. you may as well just enjoy yeah, the process yeah
1: uh, yeah and it'd be good to stay enjoy. focused <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh-huh. in, you know, yeah you can't magic reps out of, out of like thin air in a competition so yeah you're just trying to trust in the process
0: something that's happened uh actually i think it may even happen today but um Yesterday, possibly the day before, Some of the counters were going a yeah, little funky. Yeah, uh-huh. um, Some people didn't have counters when yeah. they started their sets. That can be a bit nerve wracking. Can be. Do you have yeah. a contingency plan if that ever happened to you?
1: Um, for me, I try not focus on the number on the counter. Anyway, I'm trying to focus on my count in my head for the. As an, I, I try and count in my head per minute, so so I know my pace.
0: Have um, you always done that?
1: Yeah, I do that in training. I train myself, so I don't often have someone counting my reps for me. I've tried to bring someone in more in the process of the run-up to this comp, so I get used to that. But um, I find if I look at the the number on the the counter, sometimes it can give me a bit of a, like almost like an adrenaline rush as well, because you think you're getting there and it's hard being up there. And all of a sudden, you know where you want to be and you know where you're at and how hard you're working right now, so I try not to look at the total number. But yeah, it can be off-putting if if the counter blanks out. Um, The judges are supposed to count out loud, I think, if that happens. Some of them, the it's a little was
0: difficult it, if all they speak is Russian. Yeah,
1: the language barrier was an issue, yeah. So contingency-wise, no, I didn't plan, but it wasn't part of my game plan to look at the numbers anyway, really. Do you
0: think every lifter should count in training? Do you think that's I think
1: I think they should do what works for them. It works for me to count, yeah. I think, for me, it helps me keep my focus on the technique but not overthinking the technique. It gives me a kind of... Um, yeah, it's something external to focus on, I take it, rather than just disappearing into my head, own head too much. But um, some lifters can't or don't want to or find it distracting, so no.
0: Do you also use, the, use uh, breathing as well to yeah. help yes. keep your, yes. your uh-huh. pace? Yes, yeah. Yes. Okay, uh-huh. so you do both. Yeah. 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 They're both kind of methods of counting. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, what, uh, what's been the most exciting thing you've seen this week?
1: The most exciting thing I've seen is my lifters left, basically. like Every single one of them exceeded what I expected of them and what they expected of themselves, so I'm over the moon for them. And like you say, you get more nervous for them. You find yourself watching them gripping your hands because you're trying to grip the bell for them. It's, yeah, it's been great.
0: And and kettlebells is a weightlifting sport, Yeah. and then we have things like Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. I've been to a couple of Olympic weightlifting meets. It's not the same. No. This is a struggle, Yeah. right? And you get to see your teammates struggling. Yeah. It's a lot different. Yeah,
1: uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think the length of the event because it is a ten, well, hopefully ten minutes, <laughs> yeah. because it's a ten-minute event, and you know how hard it has been up there. It is, for every single person. It's a struggle, whether they're amateur or pro. They're struggling with the weight they're on, and it's you've got to admire everyone that's up there. Yeah,
0: I think so. Yeah. I think so. Well, I think that's uh, all the questions I have for you. It's been a pleasure. Thank
1: you. It's nice and, to you. Uh, and good
0: luck with all your future training. <laughs> thank you. And uh, like Mike Sherman would say, we always have Facebook.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Anyways, thank, thank you. you. Nice to Fixation. What does it look like? For a judge, this can be a very subjective thing. To the IUKL, desired fixation is a crisp stoppage, that which almost supersedes duration in terms of overall importance. So, in a word, it's how you get there that matters, rather than how long you stay there. It kind of seems like the opposite of what you'd expect, but bear with me. This kind of tack sharp rep completion can be seen in performances by the best lifters in the sport, those like Ivan Denisov, Ksenia, and Anton Anasenko, and you're only the best if you're the fastest, if you complete the most repetitions in your set. So it does make sense. Of course, some lifters don't have the same structural overhead capability as others who can get that crisp fixation, but what do the IUKL judges think about that? Well, they say that you shouldn't be competing at the World Kettlebell Competition. Now that may be a tough pill to swallow for some, but doesn't upholding this standard ultimately produce better lifters? This past November, American veteran lifter Mike Sherman had his hands full trying to uphold the Russian standard of kettlebell lifting. Easier said than done. But here's Mike's analogy. It's kind of like going to a gourmet restaurant every day and eating really, really good food. Then your friends take you somewhere else and the food is just really not that good, but they think it's great. So the Russian judges are so used to seeing, and if you'll excuse the analogy, gourmet lifting, that when our lifters up there, that is to say when North American lifters go up to the platform, it just doesn't look that great to them even our really good lifters. Now, Mike says, if you get your lifters like a Denizov or an Anisenko, they look fluid, but if you look closely, they do have a slight quality that the amateur lifters are missing. It's like that instant stop at the top and knowing right at the moment when they take off. Mike equates this to stopping at a stop sign versus a rolling stop at a stop sign. So essentially the judges don't want one snatch flowing into the next snatch. Now in order to hit those high numbers provided that you've been doing your cardio not sitting around eating pop tarts all day it might be hard to avoid the rolling stop but there's a way around it so listen up. If you can prove to the judge for the first minute or two that you're going to give good reps he's gonna sort of sit back and relax. It's like he's gonna anticipate a good rep and he's gonna hit that button right away. In Mike's words, the pro lifter is gonna get a faster finger than an amateur who looks a little wiggly with every rep. What if you're one of the wigglers? What if you can't really get terminal elbow extension and your triceps are struggling to maintain each lockout? On the other side of that coin, what if you're hypermobile and you struggle to maintain joint stability in the lockout? What if you weren't born with the perfect fixation? Let's think about that for a moment. Example, two lifters compete in long cycle, each score 100 reps. Lifter 1 has a natural ability to lock out and stabilize without restriction or limitation while Lifter 2 needs to fight a little harder to earn that point. He needs to stand a little longer in the lockout and use more muscular effort. He puts in more effort but gets the same result. He's not as efficient, true, but this is not because of technique, it's because of morphology. It's a variable outside his control. So doesn't that mean he's competing with a handicap? Isn't that more impressive then? Might not look as pretty, but kettlebell lifting isn't a beauty pageant. In kettlebell lifting, much like other weightlifting sports, we reward work and we reward ability. If all other criteria are met, you get the point. To this point, Mike conceded that the judges do loosen up their judging standards for the veterans category. He says, you still gotta have a good rep, but they give you a little more leeway. Hey, we're all human, and none of us are perfect. The judges understand that, and the rule book doesn't preclude them from getting too relaxed. The head judge's table oversees the act of judging during the competition. And Mike said in about every five to eight flights, they come over to the table to yell at them to clean up their judging. Mike says the head judge of Russia keeps things tight. Otherwise, it falls apart pretty fast. That being said, Mike confirmed the judges are ultra strict on fixation. And to be an IUKL judge, you really have to be. After sitting with four different judges for the first two days of competition, Mike made sure he was upholding the standards. Yuri, the AKA president, was told by the judges that they could, quote, feel Mike's quality. Though Mike did say that he felt like sometimes he just got in the way. But even so, he said most of the judges are actually really nice guys. I asked Mike if language was an issue. This is what he said. Two of the IUKL judges speak about 10% English, and I speak about 5% Russian. So between the two of us, between using hand gestures and if we write on a pad, we could kind of talk. So is getting a tough judge really something that you actually have to worry about? Well, Mike said the judges are all pretty much the same. They know their stuff. They know what they're looking for. But, Mike did admit that the older judges are getting a little slower on the buttons, so don't jump to thinking you've got a tough judge when in fact they might just have a slower trigger finger. And it may even surprise some of you to know that even the best lifters get no counts and warnings from time to time too. In fact, Mike gave Johnny Benid's two warnings for going too fast for visible fixation. But as an accomplished and professional lifter, and I think this is something that we can all try and emulate. Uh, Johnny really appreciated that, that attention to detail that Mike was giving. And you know what, the judges appreciate it too. So as far as Mike's IUKL certification goes, um, he's required to judge at five local IUKL meets, plus two international meets, such as like the World Cup uh, and the World Championship. As of right now, Mike has completed all of those requisites, and he will be able to judge officially at any international IUKL meet. Okay guys, so back in June of 2015 I asked you a question. I asked do you chalk or not? I allowed you to choose uh, two selections of five for the online poll. Uh, These are the selections. Chalk for every set Chalk only in competition and then the next two are, uh, are concerned with how you chalk and that and they were you chalk only your hands or you chalk the bell and your hands and then the last selection was chalk is for mortals so uh, of, uh, from this poll th- this is the information we got 30% of you said you chalk for absolutely every set 10% said that you chalk only in competition now how do you guys chalk your hands? 23% of you said you chalk only your hands and 26% of you said you chalk the bell and your hands. So that was that was pretty even. Um, and then 10% said that chalk is for mortals. So you guys don't use chalk at all. You just go in, you know, au natural and do your thing. So hopefully this poll gave you guys a little bit of insight into what everybody else is doing And uh, who knows, maybe that will uh, uh, change the way that you lift kettlebells in the future. Maybe not, but uh, it's food for thought, so there you go. Anyways, thanks for listening, guys, and this was episode 15 of Ballistic Strength Radio.